This morning we have a special a guest speaker, and they're not here. So this is, again, an interesting thing with COVID. We can do things like have people on the screen, and it doesn't seem that abnormal. So this morning, uh, Animal Queen will be sharing with us on joy. Good morning, everyone. It's such an honor to be with you this morning and get to share about joy on this third week of Advent. Um, I would always love to be there with you in person, but I am thankful for the ability to record this and share it with you um, by video. And it also means I get to tune in while we're all watching this. So I'll be paying attention to comments and see if there's anything I can respond to um, live, I guess. So, but let's get started. Um, joy is likely not the theme that you would pick for uh, 2020. I'm sure it doesn't encapsulate what most of us have experienced this year. Uh, or at least not the whole of what we've experienced this year. And I do want to take time just right off the bat to say um, it's been a hard year. And I think it's important for us to acknowledge that. Um, there can be a temptation, honestly, at Christmas to, to have that kind of holiday cheer or to put up a smiling face. And personally, I've actually found it quite brittle this year to kind of pretend to be there. Um, I honestly struggled with putting this together. And through it, God really has done uh, a great work in me, but um, it did not come easy. So I just want to say, we've all experienced some losses and some changes and some grief um, and disappointment this year. And um, it may look like, you know, stability or a routine that has been completely lost and uh, kind of rearranged. Or perhaps it's just the general tension or um, difficulty of maintaining relationships that once came easily because we have these restrictions of physical distancing. Um, I know several people who had great anticipation at the beginning of 2020 for wonderful events, graduations, weddings, um, various celebrations that did not go as planned. Uh, we also have had people uh, job loss has been something they faced and that's not just a financial burden it also can be um, very meaningful it can be a loss of purpose there can be a void in your life and that's a really hard thing to face we also have people who have likely lost homes or had to move um, which is a big a big disruption uh, really uprooting and I also know there have been several people who have lost loved ones and that's never easy. And then added on top of that are kind of the weirdness of um, funerals for a while there and, and just how do we properly say goodbye. So that is the context in which we are discussing joy of all things this morning. And I think, yeah, approaching Christmas, it, it really does heighten kind of that isolation and the changes and the challenges and um, just the tensions we're already feeling. So know that I'm there with you. Um, as I said, I, uh, perhaps I didn't say this already, but I really enjoy uh, joy. I find that it comes probably more naturally to me. Um, I often am closer to God when I'm suffering, and uh, I really have found uh, a great connection that way. So when I was asked to speak about joy, I was quite excited about it. And then as I sat down to begin prep, it really got real and difficult fast. 
I honestly feel like I'm in kind of a dry place. I have this image in my head of a really dry plant where when you water it, the water doesn't even soak in, it just sits on top. And that's how I've been feeling. I've had a hard time receiving a lot of these gifts of Advent when we talk about hope and peace. Um, we'll talk about love next week and of course joy as I'm speaking on today. It hasn't been natural like it normally is. And I was then reminded of Habakkuk 3, verses 17 through 19. I'll be reading this in the uh, New Living Translation. It's titled, Habakkuk Rejoices in the Lord. Though the fig tree should not blossom nor fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the olive fail, the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me to tread on my high places. So as I wrestled with what I would share today, God really reminded me that the well of joy actually becomes deeper still because of adversity or within adversity and challenge. C.S. Lewis writes, Real joy seems to be almost as unlike security and prosperity as it is unlike agony. And that's good news, at least for me, because I think security and prosperity are things that may not be in abundance for most of us this year. Um, another author and lay minister from the turn of the 19th century named S.D. Gordon says this about joy. It is the reverse of happiness. Happiness is the result of what happens of an agreeable sort. Yet joy has its deep, its roots spring deep down. That spring never runs dry, no matter what happens. Only Jesus gives that joy. Joy hits differently in the midst of chaos and a broken world. These times highlight the grace that rather than being based on circumstances or holiday cheer, joy is rooted in God's character, in his promises. And that rootedness of joy um, doesn't just invite us to anticipation, it truly invites us deeper into active waiting and participation. So that's what I want to explore moving forward. So the first thing, God's light, uh, is character sorry, which uh, part of that is light. This is one of the first things we discover when we read in John chapter one. In the beginning was the one who is called the word. The word was with God and was truly God. From the very beginning, the word was with God. And with this word, God created all things. Nothing was made without the word. Everything that was created received its life from him. And his life gave light to everyone. The light keeps shining in the darkness. And the darkness has never put it out. I find a lit candle captures um, how I'm experiencing joy this season. And sometimes it actually probably feels more like a glowing ember for me. Um, yeah, even when we're feeling maybe insufficient, to really brighten a space, or we're feeling burnt out, or we're just really desperately unsure of what exists beyond the darkness. We have an assurance in God's presence. He remains. 
And just like in Genesis 1, God brings forth both light and life from darkness. A favorite author of mine, Barbara Brown Taylor, says, New life starts in the dark. Whether it is a seed in the ground, a baby in the womb, or Jesus in the tomb, it starts in the dark. In preparation, I was reading through the liturgical readings for Advent, uh, week number three, and they included Isaiah 61. So I just want to read verses one through four to you now. Just shows that God is our restorer. Isaiah says, The Spirit of the Lord God has taken control of me. The Lord has chosen and sent me to tell the oppressed the good news, to heal the brokenhearted, and to announce freedom for the prisoners and the captives. This is the year when the Lord God will show kindness to us and punish our enemies. The Lord has sent me to comfort those who mourn, especially those in Jerusalem. He sent me to give them flowers in place of this sorrow, to give olive oil in place of tears and joyous praise in place of broken hearts. They will be called trees of justice, planted by the Lord to honor his name. Then they will rebuild cities that have been in ruins for many generations. So here Isaiah is, he's called to remind people, the people of Israel specifically, in their exile of the restorative plans and future that God has for them. Joy is this knowledge that life is being prepared and restored even here in the midst of heartache, in the midst of sorrow, in the midst of injustice, and even in our fear. What we see throughout scripture is that darkness and suffering become fertile grounds where Jesus works to bring resurrection. The next beautiful thing that roots joy is the promises of God. And I want to start with Luke 1, verses 46 to 55. This is a song of praise that Mary sings upon discovering that she will uh, bring Jesus, the Messiah and Savior, into the world. Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty. He has exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he made his promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. Here we see that joy really is rooted in the celebration of what God has promised us, what he is faithful to deliver. It is recalling the ways that he has been faithful in the past and anticipating what he will do in the future. We see Mary praising God for fulfilling his promise that was made to Abraham so many generations ago through her, a humble, humble girl. She had, she'd held on to the teachings and these promises of God. And that meant she was ready to receive this word from God, this calling, and his presence when the angel came to her. Joy is not in response to what is happening around us. Thank goodness. It is entirely dependent on what we hold on to internally, the forever goodness of God who dwells in us 
our Emmanuel. Madeline Longle says in A Circle of Quiet, and joy is always a promise. Henry Nouwen also writes, people who wait have received a promise that allows them to wait. They have received something that is at work in them, like a seed that has started to grow. This is very important. We can only really wait if we wait for what has already begun. So waiting is never a moment from nothing. Sorry, it's never a movement from nothing to something. It is always a movement from something to something more. So in God's promises, we find the strength. We have the beginning of his promise of life, his promise of eternity. We have the promise of his presence and the promise of his faithfulness. And finally, joy calls us into participation and uh, preparation. Reading in John 1, I also read of John the Baptist, and he explains in verse 23 what he is doing when asked. And he quotes Isaiah uh, from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3, which says, Listen, it's the voice of someone shouting, Clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Make a straight highway through the wasteland for our God. So what, what might it look like to clear a way in our wasteland for God today? The first thing that struck me is uh, tending to the past what hasn't overgrown. Um, I personally have let things overgrow, I think, in my connection with God with um, neglect, uh, apathy, avoidance, busyness. And I've been challenged in that. So I thought I might extend that challenge to you just to consider where you may have allowed things to grow up in the way of your connection to God. We can also dwell on God's life, on his death and the resurrection that he brings. This is a cycle that he works out in each of us throughout our lives and largely through changes, through loss, um, through transformation. So this changes how we perceive our wasteland and perhaps what a new path could look like. I'd also invite you to bring awareness to your daily routines, uh, your experiences. A great source of joy lies in God's presence. So where is he already walking with you in this wilderness? Psalm 94, 19 reminds us in saying, when I am full of cares, your comfort brings me joy. We can also remember what God has, has already done for us in the past. We remember the wilderness that we were in and how God brought us through that. And in that way, it gives us an idea of what a path through the wilderness can look like. Finally, and I think this has been a big impact uh, for me, certainly during this season, is surrender. It is not unnatural to push against adversity. And I'm not talking about giving up, but I am talking about offering things up. Uh, it might look like offering up control or fear to God. We cannot navigate the darkness on our own. We cannot fabricate joy. Is it time for you to give something over to God and to see how he actually longs to carry you through your wasteland this season? 
Again, C.S. Lewis writes in Surprised by Joy, Joy bursts into our lives when we go about doing the good at hand and not trying to manipulate things or times to achieve joy. So then I read in Psalm 26, this is called a pilgrimage song. When the Lord changed Zion's circumstances for the better, it was like we had been dreaming. Our mouths were suddenly filled with laughter and our tongues were filled with joyful shouts. It was even said at that time among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Yes, the Lord has done great things for us and we are overjoyed. Lord, change our circumstances for the better, like dry streams in the desert waste. Let those who plant with tears reap the harvest with joyful shouts. Let those who go out crying and carrying their seed come home with joyful shouts carrying bales of grain. Here we see how the Israelites were active in their exile, those dark years that are relatively silent in the Bible. They were planting working actively in daily tasks. Then there is a celebration that comes after a long period of suffering. When we are at the end of our rope, we aren't just happy when we are rescued. We are elated. Their rejoicing is so rich and so deep, not despite, but because of what they've come through. They marveled and could not keep silent. We are called beyond our own internal processes of joy to share them outwardly in community. This year, one of my four-year-old nephews has discovered in a deeper way the beauty of Christmas lights on their tree. He loves how they shine, how they illuminate everything around them. And he's also realized they are at their best when viewed with darkness around them. And he's so delightful because he doesn't just stop with enjoying something on his own. He actively wants to share what has brought him joy or awe with the rest of us. My mom was over there recently and he asked if he could show her something that he thought that she would really enjoy. So once the lights were turned off, he showed her how the tree shone. He also asked his dad to send a picture of this to me via text because he wanted me to be able to enjoy the site even though I couldn't visit. So when we remember to see God at work in the dark times, when we remember all that he has done for us, when we prepare a way for him in the wilderness, I think we should find it difficult to keep it to ourselves. I think this is another way that we, again, are preparing for Jesus coming and participating in joy. So just in closing, I want to read to you a poem by Madeline Longle. It is called First Coming. He did not wait till the world was ready, till men and nations were at peace. He came when the heavens were unsteady and prisoners cried out for release. He did not wait for the perfect time. He came when the need was deep and great. He dined with sinners in all their grime. He turned water into wine. He did not wait till hearts were pure. In joy, he came to a tarnished world of sin and doubt, to a world like ours of anguished shame. He came and his light would not go out. 
He came to a world which did not mesh to heal its tangles and shield its scorn in the mystery of the word made flesh, the maker of the stars was born. We cannot wait till the world is sane to raise our songs with joyful voice. For to share our grief, to touch our pain, he came with love. Rejoice, rejoice. Thank you. Hope you have a wonderful, joy-filled week ahead of you.